0: Into, for unto us a child is born, a son is given. And they don't seem to have anything to do with each other, and yet they do. And we're looking at these four amazing names that are given to God. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And for reasons of practicality, we're going to confuse you. By looking at the first one, wonderful counsellor, which I've called the man with a plan. And around, of course, this time last year, Steve and Colleen were expecting the birth of their second child. And I'm sure it was an exciting time. Perhaps it turned out to be a little more exciting than they would really have wished. And now, of course, they have their precious second daughter. And she had to be given a name. Because, of course, they couldn't really have called her Lottie number two. <laughs> <coughs> and you only have to look at the girls to see there are obvious differences. One's fair, one's dark, even if in perhaps other ways they are quite similar. And so, of course, they chose the name Rebecca. And if you want to know why, I'm sure they'll tell you afterwards. And names are very important. In some cultures more than others, of course. But we all have a name. It's personal to us, even if there are others around who share it. It's a way of distinguishing us. And, of course, many names have a meaning. I'm glad I wasn't called Patience, because I know (laughs) I wouldn't have lived up to that name. And it's unfortunate if you're called Philip, and you're not keen on animals, because that name means lover of horses. And today I suspect most parents call their child by a name they like. And I know there's some very strange names around, but there you go. Perhaps it's a name that has a special resonance for them. Sometimes the child gets called by the name of the place where an event took place. Um, <laughs> So it might be an old family name, and we're going back, and we're seeing all these biblical names that are coming out now. Um, And it's just amazing how fashions change in names. And you'll remember, of course, that when John the Baptist was born, the neighbours and relatives suggested that he be named for his father, Zachariah. And his parents had to chip in and say, No, he's to be called John, which means God is gracious, or gift them God. So that was a special baby who needed a special name. Now some 700 years before John the Baptist came along, the prophet Isaiah spoke about another baby, as we've just been reading. And this was, as you might have gathered, a very tough time in the history of God's people. They were surrounded by nations who wanted to take them over, and life was dark, dangerous and difficult, perhaps not so very different from today for many people. And whilst Isaiah says a lot of things which must have been hard for the people of his time to hear, you'll notice that the beginning of chapter 9 starts with that word, nevertheless. The end of the previous passage says, then they'll look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. And So in the midst of darkness there is hope. And this hope is made personal and specific when a few verses later the promise of a child is given. A son to be born who will exhibit these four amazing characteristics that we're considering As Paul would later write, for God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Here was the hope for the future. For the people of Isaiah's day, a hope which came down in love when Jesus was born. And which still, more than 2,000 years later, draws us in love to God himself. Now, last week, Liz looked at the title Mighty God, <clears throat> a very special name, full of awe and majesty for the word of the Father who became flesh for us in the person of Jesus. Today, we're focusing on Wonderful Counselor. And this, by contrast, might not sound so nearly so impressive. We're used to counselors, aren't we? Some of us may even have visited us one They're just people with couches, aren't they? How can the term wonderful counsellor sit alongside those other grand and glorious names which are given to Jesus, to God with us? How many times a day do you respond, that's wonderful, to some piece of news or something somebody has done for you? In our trite world, it is so easy to devalue and take for granted terms like wonderful. A cup of tea, how wonderful, we might say. It might be tasty, it might be special, it might be a kind gesture, but is it really wonderful? Something that is full of wonder. Unfortunately, wonderful is one of those words that has in the words of the Webster Dictionary suffered, and I love this phrase, A semantic bleaching. (laughs) A semantic bleaching. The reduction of a word's intensity. So the word's original meaning is hiding in plain sight, full of wonder. And yet it's very seldom used in that way anymore. It's used today to mean extremely good, isn't it? As in a wonderful meal. So it's clear in the Old Testament... That it means something that is astonishing, not merely extremely good. <clears throat> and the Hebrew word that is used for wonderful is pele, meaning a miracle, a marvel, a wonder, which indicates something extraordinary, incomprehensible, inexplicable. So that's the first part of the description which is given to Jesus. He is a miracle. His birth was miraculous. He went about doing miracles, signs, as John calls them in his gospel, which were not an end in themselves, but pointers to who he is and how he can change lives. So, a real wonder is something beyond human explanation. And the prophet Isaiah declared that the coming Christ would be a wonder. And this not only describes what he does, it describes who he is. He himself is the wonder. And then the second term, counsellor, yo'ez, if you want to learn the Hebrew, means to advise, counsel, devise, (coughs) purpose. So both those definitions combine to reveal that the child will be miraculously born to become an amazing advisor who marvelously works in all things for God's purpose because the Holy Spirit dwells in him with all wisdom, understanding, counsel, strength, knowledge and honour to God. As Isaiah later writes, And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Thus we can see then that the name counsellor and the adjective wonderful are filled with meaning. But are they relevant for us today? The story is told of two tramps sitting together on a park bench. One of them said to the other, I'm a man who never took advice from anybody. The other said, shake my hand friend, I'm the man who followed everybody's advice. Two extremes, but I'm sure that one time or another we're all guilty of both. In Jesus, though, we have the perfect counsellor. In its historical usage, the word counsellor pictured a king giving counsel to his people. Micah declared the dilemma of the Jewish captives in Babylon, saying, Now why do you cry aloud? Is there no king in your midst? Has your counsellor perished? Long before the child was born and the son given, Isaiah foretold that God was planning to send a counsellor for the broken-hearted people of the world. So what is the evidence that Jesus Christ is the the wonderful counsellor. We see it in a person. We read of, reflect on, and appeal for help for the one who became for us wisdom from God. When we take all that we know about Christ Jesus, it adds up to a marvellous truth. He is the God who is a wonder of a counsellor. Luke, in his Gospel, recorded that the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Even as a child of 12, Jesus astounded Jewish rabbis with his wisdom. You remember the events that are at the time of Passover, after three days his parents found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. At 12, he was debating with the (laughs) highest authorities in the land in religious life. In his public life, people were amazed at his wise, wise counsel. We read later that he returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, Where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Later, the Apostle Paul wrote that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, there's an important distinction between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is the accumulation of fact, while wisdom is the ability to rightly apply those facts. (laughs) Now the well-known example of this is that knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit and wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. (laughs) Through his wisdom, God applies his knowledge to accomplish his purposes in ways that will bring the greatest good to mankind and the most glory to him. When we come to Jesus for wisdom, we must trust his heart. He knows everything about us. He knows all our needs. And he always wants the best for us. While we live in this world, our enemy is not of flesh and blood, but of an evil spirit. Most of the problems we have are actually spiritual, not just physical or emotional issues. A victorious life is only possible when the spirit of God is with us. With the sword of the spirit, which is God's word, we can resist the devil, we can resist the evil one. And that's why we must constantly seek help from God and not from man. Trusting the Lord is the key to God's favour in our lives. Jesus himself clearly stated that apart from him we can do nothing. I am the vine, he said. You are the branches. Those who remain in me... And I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Since Christ has experienced crucifixion, that most terrible death, he can understand our struggles and pains. He will never despise anyone who comes to him. Knowing this truth, we may approach God with confidence, in the name of Jesus, to find help when we need it. The writer of the book of Hebrews says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings as we do, yet he did not sin. He did no wrong. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Do we need help? Do we need advice? Do we need counsel? There's one man that we can go to and we will find the help when we need it most. So are we as astonished at the wonder of a counsellor as Isaiah was? Are we as captivated by his charm, his insight, his practical genius, where else can we be so assured of the acceptance and forgiveness and comfort of God but in Jesus? An earthly counsellor must have the knowledge of the person he or she is seeking to advise. They begin by asking questions or trying to get the person to discuss the situation and life experiences that exist because that will have an impact on the advice that they need to give By contrast, our heavenly counsellor needs no introduction to our needs. He knows us wholly, completely, utterly. He knows our talents, our gifts, our sins, our weaknesses and our history. He knows our backstory. Jesus himself said, don't be like other people for your father knows what you need before you. You ask him. How marvellous is that? Now we all have a past of some sort. And it's usually the events or words or actions from the past that cause us to need wise counsel. Therefore Jesus is the wonderful counsellor because he has all that knowledge of our past in his heart and mind. The psalmist said, from birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb, I will ever praise you. And later he said, my flame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days adorned, ad, ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God created us. He knows us intimately from before we were even born. He knows the secret sin of our past. He knows exactly what we're like. There are no masks when we're dealing with the Lord Jesus. He knows the hidden hurt of your past. He knows the lost dreams of your past. He knows all about your past experiences. What is even better is that this wonderful counselor also knows our present and our future. We might say to somebody, you can't imagine what I'm going through right now. But you can't say that to Jesus. The Lord knows your present (coughs) pleasures. He knows the things that tempt you at the moment. He knows the difficulties that you are going through. He knows this very minute what perhaps nobody else on earth knows about you. He is wonderful in his knowledge of us. And likewise, no earthly counsellor can boast that he is aware of the future of the person he or she is counselling. Yet Jesus knows what is ahead of us. He is able to see the future and to guide us through the landmines that dot our future landscape. He alone can do this. As one of the old Hoden writers put it, I know who holds the future. And he'll guide me with his hand. With God, things don't just happen. Everything by him is planned. So as I face tomorrow, with its problems, large and small, I'll trust the God of miracles. Give to him my all. During his time on earth, Jesus brought counsel to many people and healed their broken lives. He not only shared knowledge and wisdom, he gave them the strength to take action. Jesus came to that woman at the well, to that man at the pool of Bethsaida, in their broken state, and he enabled them to take action. Those people had been living in a difficult situation for so long, 38 years for the man, and enough time for the woman to go through five husbands. We could argue that they couldn't overcome their pain on their own. Something kept that woman in a destructive cycle of relationships. The man at the pool couldn't walk physically. And yet, like the wonderful counsellor he is, Jesus told them what action to take. And he gave them the strength to do it. The woman who came to the well alone in the heat of midday goes to the town to tell others about Jesus. The lame man stands and walks. And that same Jesus can give us the same strength to take (coughs) action today. He might not be standing beside us at a well or even in the well or a pool, but yet his spirit is with us always, guiding our next step if we trust in him. Jesus wasn't only a wonderful counsellor during those 33 years on earth. Since he is alive today, he still acts as our wonderful counsellor. When he died, he sent the Holy Spirit to live within those who believe in him. The Spirit, being one with God, guides and helps his people today. An earthly counsellor can only hope that the advice he gives will be helpful. But the wonderful counsellor never searches for the right answers. He is the answer. Both during his earthly ministry and in all the years since, those who have tried him can testify that he is the answer to every problem, every heartache, every fear, every trial. In John's Gospel, the disciple Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. What a great statement Peter made that day. Where can you go to get an answer regarding the evil in our world? To whom can you turn for truth regarding your own evil heart? Where can you turn for help in getting rid of the guilt that plagues your heart and mind? Where do you go to find real love, sacrificial love? Jesus is the answer every time. He has the words of eternal life and can handle every situation you face. I think at Christmas time, many people feel a kind of loneliness that they perhaps just can't explain. It's that deep down feeling of missing home, longing for something lost. And perhaps that feeling might just be God speaking to you about the fact that you have missed out on what really matters in life. You have never fully trusted Jesus. To redeem you, to be your saviour, to be your friend. We will never find our true home until we find it in Christ. (coughs) In the letter to the Philippians, we read that we are to to turn to the wonderful counsellor in our hour of trouble. What will he do? He will give us a peace that passes understanding. He will guard our hearts and minds. Sadly, Christmas time is a season that's often fraught with sadness. And yet Jesus is the counsellor for the lonely heart and the sad spirit. He can give you that peace that goes beyond understanding. And as followers of Jesus, we can have access to that wonderful counsellor who knows all and happens to be the king himself. Whenever we call, he will come, and sometimes he will even come to find us. So Jesus is truly our wonderful counsellor. He served people during his time on earth, and still he guides his followers today. Jesus isn't tied to the constraints of humanity. He knows the plan and can give us extraordinary strength to carry it out, and is always with us. So next time you feel you need counsel, you need advice, you need help, call out to Jesus. He's right there, ready to take your hand and show you the way. As I said at the beginning, Jesus has been described as the man with the plan. Jesus is the man with the plan. He's the one who has the answer. He's the one that can show you what to do when nobody else can show you. And when you've come to the end of your own wits and your own resources, remember, there's a wonderful counsellor available this Christmas time. Shall we just pray? Dear Lord, thank you so much that you are also my wonderful counsellor, that you always know what to do, where to go, what to choose. Help me, Lord Jesus, to be dependent upon you in this day and every other day and to look for you for counsel, help, and advice. You are wonderful, Lord, and I praise and thank you that you are with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.